Yo, what is going on, baby? Nathan Kennedy, The New Money Podcast, episode 56. How y'all doing, man? Hoping you guys are enjoying your week. Ask me any questions you guys have on Instagram, as well as if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. I would love if you could leave a little bit of a review there. Really quick, guys, the show is sponsored by Wealth Simple. I am so honored to be partnering with them. They have several products, but two of my favorite are Wealth Simple Trade and Wealth Simple Invest. Wealth Simple Trade is a commission-free platform where you can buy stocks and exchange-traded funds free of charge. Wealth Simple Invest is a robo advisor where they do all the work for you. You just have to put the money in. Check out the show notes for links to get started with either one. I highly recommend it. Also, want to shout out Grit Labs. Grit Labs is a group fitness bootcamp style training like nothing I've ever experienced before. And I frequently go just for the energy and the experience. I really encourage you guys to check out Grit Labs one week free trial, which can be booked at www.gritlabs.ca. That's G-R-I-T-L-A-B-S.ca. Okay, so today I'm releasing the interview I did with Vince and it was really, really fun. Uh, I, I came across Vince on Instagram and, and he's a really, really awesome guy. Um, it was really awesome. Um, you know, for him to share his insights and some key things that people who are getting into mortgages should know. So without further ado, let's just dive on into it, baby. Vince, how's it going, man? Nathan, doing really well. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Uh, Vince here, guys, uh, is, you know, I came across his profile uh, a few days ago and him and I were just chatting. We really hit it off. Uh, and I feel like he has a ton of value to bring, but really quick, Vince, you know, let's just, let's just start where, I don't know, give us, give us the quick and dirty of the life, right? Like, uh, what's your, what's your background and, um, you know, what's kind of led you to really be a big advocate for, uh, financial literacy as it is financial literacy month. Well, you know, it all started delivering newspapers. I don't know if that even exists anymore, but, uh, as a kid, you know, I was, uh, delivering newspapers and, you know, older people on my route, I asked them to shovel the, their snow, cut their grass and, and became a little entrepreneur and uh, always had jobs, always had uh, a couple going uh, at once. And then in, at 18, I ended up getting a, a job at uh, Canada Trust as a teller. And uh, that was my four-way four, four into uh, banking. You know, I was in university at the time and uh Worked at uh, Canada Trust as a teller, putting in 20, 30 hours a week. And uh, then, you know, while there for years, while in university, I, I kind of got asked to uh, decide whether I want to get on the investment side, which at the time, uh, I don't know if you've heard of David Shilton and the Wealthy Barber, but at, but at the time, he was uh, sponsored by Canada Trust and Everest Fund. So if you joined and, and bought mutual funds, you got this free book and he was promoting Everest Funds at the, at the time, which was the family of funds Canada Trust had. Or I could get on the lending side as an assistant credit manager in the branch, which was kind of interesting. You know, I had to get on the investment side or the, the credit side. So I kind of went home and didn't know what to do. And I asked my dad and I had that eureka moment because, you know, he just looked at me and says, you know, and he's an immigrant. You know, yeah, he, yeah. he doesn't know much. And he just said, you know, I don't know if you're at, I don't know how I could help you. But the only thing I know is being in this country, as long as I have, there's a lot more people that need money than have it. So get on the right side of the balance sheet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I said, well, that's that's interesting. And I kind of thought about it, but I don't really think he gave me advice. He just made a comment. And I said, you know, I think I'm gonna get on the lending side. And that's how I got into uh, 
mortgages, um, you know, started off doing car loans and lines of credits and um, ended up uh, being hired by TD Bank when I finished university. And uh, it so happened that TD ended up buying Canada Trust. So I, I knew both worlds and knew a lot of people that were in the merged company and uh, cut my teeth basically at TD Bank and their mortgage department in the early 90s. And it wasn't a fun time. Like just to give you some idea of, of where it was, the one-year mortgage rate was 14%. And the wow. five-year rate was like 11.75, 12 Oh, my God. Like it was just a crazy time, right? And, you know, I remember having clients come in. I was at the Forest Hill branch in, uh, in Toronto. And I remember, you know, telling clients, you know, why don't you invest in like a five-year GIC at like 9.75%. And I remember these old ladies would, you know, giggle and say, you know, Vince, I don't even buy green bananas. I'm so old, you know, they're not even <laughs> thinking about a five-year and you really think about their plight today. You know, these are people that had, uh, you know, a little chunk of money making a good return. And today these seniors are making literally nothing. So, you know, they've really taken it on, on the chin from um, the current economic environment. And, you know, that's how I really got into lending. And, and uh, from TD, I went over to BMO and then joined uh, one of my biggest clients at Bank of Montreal in the mortgage space and then um, headed over to Monster Mortgage and, and uh, started that. So did you, did you start Monster Mortgages? Well, we were uh, another company before that, and then we kind of divested off and, and, and morphed into Monster Mortgage. We were doing, uh, this is our 19th year doing the TV show, Hot Property. Right. And, um, you know, that started in 2002, and we started Monster Mortgage in 2004. So okay. we were still doing TV, but under another brand, it was OC Mortgage at the time. And then we morphed into uh, Monster Mortgage when we partnered up with Doug Gilmore, the hockey player. Yeah, that's so, great. That's yeah, it was crazy. an interesting time. We had a lot of fun with it. And, um, you know, here we are. That's that's incredible. So I guess my, my next question is, um, you know, you were, you know, early stages of, of Monster Mortgages. How did you... I'm just curious, how did you, how did you grow that business? How did you, um, obviously you were well connected in this space. Um, you know, how did you compete against the bigger banks, right? So, you know, a lot of the people that are listening to this, maybe they don't hold a mortgage or they don't have that, but eventually they will. Um, and you know, kind of, kind of take us through how you built credibility in that sense. And then, uh, you know, what, why looking at alternative lenders other than the banks is oftentimes a good idea. Well, you know, that's a good question, Nathan. Like I said, we started uh, the TV show uh, in 2002 and, you know, it was a tough grind at the beginning because we, our, our focus was to educate and not sell. And, um, you know, we would go on that show and we tell people, you know, call your local mortgage broker. You don't necessarily have to call us, but, you know, be informed, use a, a mortgage professional that could give you choice. And, and that's how we kind of educated people on what mortgage brokers do. We, the goal was never to um, tell them to call us, right? I, I just felt that selling just did not mesh well with credibility if that's what you're gonna try to build long-term. So, you know, the first few years, like 
it's a news station and they really couldn't charge us for being on the show. So what they did was they sold us an advertising package that kind of uh, bookended the program and, you know, there's bumpers in there and, you know, we buy an ad campaign throughout the week that runs various ads and whatnot. So the game plan was to try to educate and it was painful at first because the ROI on it wasn't very good. And, uh, you know, we weren't necessarily um, putting a call to action on the show to say, hey, call us for the best rate, right? It was, right. listen, call us, we'll help you. And even if it's with your existing bank, we'll help you to ask the right questions. We'll, we'll ask you uh, some, some details about your situation. This is, what, this is the strategy you should take and, and leverage us against them and, and, and see some value in what we could give you. And it, it's a long-term approach, which was painful, but in retrospect, uh, the effort and the commitment to education has paid off because with it comes credibility and, you know, the unbiased approach um, really, uh, I think, has, has put us where we are today on the map in, in GTA. So, um, you know, looking back on, on two decades almost, um, I think it was the right thing to do. For sure. So what were, what are some of the sort of um, misconceptions that when you work with, with clients that, that you kind of have to work through? What are the most sort of prevalent things um, that, that come up when somebody's looking into a mortgage or they're looking at lending options? Um, do you find that oftentimes you have to uh, work through that with that education process before you can even uh, begin to talk about like terms and things like that? Yeah, like I think in order to do your job properly, you got to understand where people are in their life cycle. Um, you know, Canadians are like sheep. Everybody takes a five-year term, not necessarily thinking it's the best thing for them. It's just because everybody else is doing it at the dinner party, right? So, you know, try and understand, um, you know, what their game plan is, where they are in their life cycle. Are they planning to move? Are they planning to uh, renovate or, or um, you know, whatever the case is? you have to point out the issues that come up when you take a five-year term and penalties are a big issue. Mm. Um, penalties on mortgages by the big banks are very cost prohibitive. They're handcuffs. And it's one thing a lot of people don't talk about because all they want is their keys and they want to move into their house and they want to know what their payment is. But when you have a 15 or $20,000 penalty to break your mortgage, it's, shocking and it creates a lot of anxiety and a lot of frustration as to well why didn't anybody tell me this right so you know when people come to me and they say Vince you know I saw this low rate on uh, on a website and you know I say well listen we, we have that rate too but I'm not going to recommend it you know it's best you go deal with them and they ask why and I said well because 75% of mortgages break before the end of the term so you're going to run into a penalty. And although I'm going to talk to you about it, you're not going to listen to me. But when, when it happens, you're going to forget that I told you so. So let's avoid that confrontation three and a half years from now and just deal with somebody else because I prefer to deal with a product that is a little bit more flexible and isn't as uh, cost prohibitive from a penalty perspective. And banks are very good at uh, manipulating situations. And, and what they do when these penalties come up is they offer you a blend and extend. That's the term they use. It's a nice way of saying, we're going to bury the penalty into the next rate that you're going to take. 
So, you know, you're paying three and a half percent rates are now 179. And that penalty on that half million dollar deal is probably 18 grand. And they're going to say, well, instead of 179, we're going to give you 309. And we're going to extend it an extra five years. And everybody's going to say, well, it's less than 349 paying 309, but you're still not paying the best rate. No, right. Yeah. So it's, it's just a shell game. And the reality is, is the client loses. And, um, you know, I always tell people banks in Canada are a formidable force, but don't kid yourself. They're in your pocket to make money. That's their goal. Their goal is to make money spreads. They're the first people that touch your money when you get paid and they start collecting fees right away. So be aware of that and just, you know, educate yourself and understand your options, understand what products are available for you to, to consider and go against the grain. Really? Absolutely. Like if you go against the grain, you'll be further ahead. Like I've been preaching variable rates forever. Uh, there's documented proof of that on the show for 19 years. If you go variable, you'll win and you got flexibility. Mm. You know, there's a, there's a reason why it's free to go from a variable rate at any time to a fixed rate. And there's a penalty to go from a fixed rate to a variable rate. Yeah. It's because the banks don't want you in a variable rate. They don't make as much money. So if you could figure out those opportunities it means you're going to be making money and it's better in your pocket than the banks. For sure. For sure. And, and with the current sort of landscape um, with, with rates being really, really low um, you know, nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody knows what's going to happen in the next few years. There's a lot of fiscal stimulus and there's a lot of like things, variables. I mean, obviously there's a, a raging a pandemic right now. Um, you know, can, can Canadians expect for, and Americans, I mean, it's, it's, it's low rates uh, pretty much across the board. Uh, can, we, can we expect interest rates to kind of stay kind of rock bottom? Is that what, um, you know, we can expect in the future? Or do you think that there's going to be a gradual um, increase or inflation um, because of, you know, all the other things that have been going on? It's a great question and one I always tell people to, to kind of figure out themselves because if you think of it from a 35,000 foot level, as much as we're in debt, so is the government. And you know, governments do their best to try to stay in power. And in order to do that, they have to try to have a reasonable level of debt. Now to service the debt, they could only do that uh, reasonably well if rates remain low. So. I think there's going to be significant pressure to keep rates low for, for a long time. Uh, the Bank of Canada has forecasted that we may not necessarily see any significant increases till 2023, which leads me to believe that rates are going to be low for quite some time. I, I think the vaccine and, and the distribution of the vaccine, which I think is even more important, is going to take a while. And... Um, I, I think we're, we're going to see low rates for a while. It provides a tremendous opportunity for people to get rid of debt load because mm -hmm. when you're paying low rates, you could get rid of it faster, right? Because the compounding interest isn't as severe. Mm. So, you know, these are opportune times for people that are financially prudent and people that could budget and, and look at ways of, of saving some money. Uh, you know, nobody's traveling, nobody's uh, going out to dinner. 
um, COVID has really increased household savings in this country at, to astronomical levels. I think the household savings rate's gone up to 28% in the second quarter from five in the first quarter. So mm. that alone tells me people are doing a pretty good job. Right. And uh, it, it, it gives people an opportunity to pay down debt. And when yeah. you don't owe anybody any money, that's powerful. That's invigorating. It's, it's uh, liberating. It's, uh, <laughs> it's power, man. You don't owe anybody. That's, yeah. that's where you want to be. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, last, last question sort of on, on uh, the rates specifically. You know, they're low, like really low right now. You're, you're looking at getting a mortgage and, and you and your significant other or whoever or yourself, if you want to get into investment properties, do you lock this in? How low can it go? Like, I mean, or do you take the do you take the variable and sort of expect that it'll stay like this or even go even lower? Because, uh, you know, logically looking at it, I mean, what are we going to get into negative rates? Like like how <laughs> like how much lower can it go? So what, what do you what have you what is the conversation with your, your clients and things like that been around that sort of question? Well, as I said at the beginning of this call, you know, when I got in the to the banking business, <laughs> rates were at, you know, five year rates were at almost 12 percent. So anything under two, I think, is phenomenal. If you if you have a rental property, uh, you may want to fix it because you, you know you could fix your expenses, your your revenue is pretty much fixed, maybe even going down. So the likelihood of variables going any further are probably nil, but they're still great. Uh, they're at great levels, but um, I think variable is still the way to go. I wouldn't lock in because you know jobs are changing, um, roles are changing, people are having to. Um, uh, work from home. So people are looking to move into bigger spaces. You know, the home today is a place where you work, live and play and educate because there's a lot of homeschooling happening. So, you know, you want that flexibility to move. And if you're in these penalty induced products, which fixed rates are, it causes problems on porting mortgages and blending rates, like I said earlier. So I think the variable is the smart play, but either way, I think you're, you're going to be in good shape. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, kind of transitioning into overall money management. I mean, um, you know, I, I've seen a lot of your stuff that you're talking about, um, sharing great concepts on Instagram and, um, you know, different social media. Uh, what, what's your general uh, philosophy on money management for young adults? Like, where, where can we start? Is it, you know, um, getting that credit card, building credit, um, you know, budgeting? What, what's, what do you, what do you, what's your philosophy on stuff like that? You know, I think it comes down to being patient and disciplined. Um, you know, setting short-term, mid-term, long-term goals and writing them down and staring at them on a regular basis is going to get you to where you want to be. And, you know, patience uh, is a virtue that a lot of people downplay. Everybody wants everything right away. And, um, you know, it, it's 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 a an attribute that if you can master, you can achieve anything because everything takes time. And, you know, uh, you don't want to, you don't want to get, get too ahead of things and then think that things aren't moving fast enough to achieve your goal. You just have to be patient. Like, you know, things don't happen overnight, but a good plan and uh, good timelines that will, uh, 
are reasonable and achievable will get you there and and really do the work have the work ethic and you know anything's possible i think the other thing is you got to hang around positive people and stay positive uh you know i always try to pay it forward and, and try to encourage people to to set a goal you know write it down i tell my kids what do you want to do like you want to do that write it down look at it every morning and understand that when you wake up, you have a purpose. And if you don't have a purpose, you're, you know, you're, you're all over the place. So, you know, you can still have fun. You can still have laughs. You can still go out with your friends, but understand that you have a goal and uh, try to achieve it. And if you can strive for it, like I said, anything's possible. For sure. So when somebody comes and asks you, you know, Hey Vince, you know, you seem to be good with money. You seem to be doing your thing. You know, how do you create wealth? How do you build wealth? Uh, you know, how do you answer that question? Um, is it, are you big into real estate investing or uh, the, the stock market with index funds or um, starting a business yourself, investing in yourself? Like what, what's your sort of answer to that? Well, I always try to invest in something I understand, whether it's a product or service. Um, if I don't understand it, it's going to be hard for me to understand if, there's, if something's going wrong. So, you know, if something doesn't make sense, you know, how can you figure it out if you don't understand the product? Uh, but what I think is important is any investment or any strategy you have, you have to have an exit strategy as well and realize your profit uh, when it's there. You know, Warren Buffett always said you can never lose money taking a profit. And when things are going bad, cut your losses and move on. I've seen too many people hang on to things, afraid to make a decision, only to see things go to zero. And it's too late. So, you know, I think when you go into any investment, uh, understand what your plan is, what your time horizon is, and stick to it. As far as myself, I, I'm, I'm in mortgages. I invest in mortgages. I invest in a bit of real estate. I, um, I've diversified into some retirement home investments and um, a few businesses that, I, that um, I'm a passive investor in. And all I do is plant seeds. I just want to plant seeds for a rainy day and uh, let professionals manage things. And hopefully one day I could retire and, and uh, reap the, the benefits of those investments. And that's that's all we can really hope for. That's what I hope for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just curious. Do you mind sharing like an example? You don't have to name names or anything like that. But an example where, you know, you mentioned somebody is holding on too long. Um, just give, give the audience a little bit of an example of, of what that looks like. So, um, maybe what, what not to do. Everybody hears of that stock tip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of a pump and dump strategy. Right. And they believe in the story to the point where they can't sell it until they actually, um, uh, experience the win. Right. And the win never comes. Right. I've seen a few people hang on to some of these cannabis stocks that were all the rage when they first came out, and now they're just going to zero, right? There's just no revenue there. There's no profit. The margins are so low, it's it's just not achievable. But, you know, it, it's it's uh, when all the hype was in, in play that they were going to pass legislation and all this, that was the rage. And I think a lot of people lost a lot of money in those type of investments. I think only a handful are doing well, but there's a few other ones that um, I saw one the other day was at like three cents. So <laughs> it didn't work out. 
Yeah, I had uh, I had a buddy actually. Um, Everybody has a buddy. <laughs> I had a buddy, and and you know what? He 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 was like, dude, I'm I, I'm telling you, it's coming back, it's coming back, and and I, I I'm like, hey man, listen, I hope it does because it's not looking good right now. But you know, it's 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 one of those things. But some ahead. people can't help themselves, right? Like they're yeah. they're just so hopeful, and and they're so immersed in the story and and they think well this is a this has got to be a, a you know a can't lose scenario and and you know just people just can't separate fact and fiction i guess that's that's the thing and you know what that's why i mean the stock market in particular gets a, a really bad rep from just the general knowledge everybody feels like they had an uncle that that lost it all when he was 25 on this you know that stock tip that you were sort of mentioning and and i think uh you know getting the right information out there is the biggest the biggest thing so i mean for young adults right now it's a really weird time i mean in terms of getting a job like i mean i think i just saw toronto and peel are in like lockdown lockdown mode right now uh very unfortunate and you know that's probably a trend that's going to continue so um kind of take us through how you've uh, managed your business throughout this time and and how you've pivoted and adjusted to this new normal and how maybe you suggest to young adults how they can uh, pivot and, and try to create opportunity out of all this. Well, early on, you know, this was a, a quite the transition to, for us, you know, we're, we're in the people business, we're in the meeting people and, and helping them through scenarios. And um, it was tough at first. There was a lot of, um, a lot of difficult situations and, you know, people were scared uh, when, when the first lockdown happened in the first few months, I've never had so many people in tears on the phone in three, four months than in my previous, you know, 25, 30 years in the business. So it was, um, it was difficult. And, and, um, I can't tell you I was coming, you know, I was real and, and, and you had to show a lot of empathy. And, uh, when, when you have people in tough situations, sometimes you don't have the answer. All you could do is listen. And all you could do is try to look at their strengths, uh, try to identify opportunities in which they could consider. But, you know, it ran deep because, you know, couples at the best of times don't communicate much. When things are bad, they don't communicate at all. And it makes for very difficult scenarios. Like you got to have, you know, you lose your job and, you know, you got to curb your spending, you got to curb your lifestyle, and you got to have conversations with your spouse and kids that, you know, we may have to do without certain things. So, you know, that was, I think, the toughest obstacle for me, because we're always trying to help people. I think we have answers for most things. But uh, when this first hit, it was tough. It was a grind. Um, Our ability to transition to technology was was very helpful. Um, You know, anytime there's change at work, you know, adoption is very slow. But what COVID did, it, it sped it up and it kind of pushed people to use technology a lot quicker than normal. Mm-hmm. So that was encouraging. I think we've become a little bit more efficient um, in, in, in how we do business. And we've been busy. It's, it's been very active. You know, the real estate market has uh, been very hot, although, you know, the condo market's a little bit different in, in Toronto, downtown core. But it's uh, it's definitely been a whirlwind of uh, uh, during COVID. It's it's been a grind for sure. Have you seen a lot of um, people trying to refinance or 
trying to take advantage of these rates and uh, try to free up some money? Absolutely. Uh, that's been the majority of our calls lately. A lot of people wanting to break their mortgages and we're doing cost benefit analysis, which you know, we assess what their penalty is and can they recover that penalty back in savings over the remaining life of the, of the mortgage and then determine whether the extension uh, past that maturity date is worth it for them, right? So, you know, you got three years left at 349 is getting 179 beneficial. If you could make up the majority of your penalty and then have two years still at that 179, like that's a, a judgment call, but usually the numbers tell the story on whether it makes sense or not. But what we're also seeing is a lot of people renovating. Um, this past summer, the amount of, of clients that uh, renovated backyards, uh, created a lot of outdoor living spaces was through the roof. I don't think you could find a landscaper today because they were just swamped. Wow. Uh, not being able to travel um, allowed a lot of people to use money to renovate their basements, put pools in, decks, um, you know, little sitting areas and outdoor cooking areas. And it, it, I've seen some really nice stuff that's been done in people's backyards because they can't go anywhere. So they're investing it in their homes and we're refinancing that renovation uh, once it's all complete. So that's also driven a lot of activity in our office. And, um, you know, these rates are just unbelievably low. So it only makes sense. Do you guys have tailored products uh, for, you know, strategic renovations, maybe for an investor who's, who's looking to get kind of an all in one package? Yeah, there, there's some great products out there. You know, there's some all in one, uh, facilities that have mortgages with a line of credit attached. Uh, those are products that are quite popular. Uh, we recommend them because it, it eliminates a lot of the uh, reapproving and legal fees. Uh, once it's set up, you have it available to you. And uh, there's a lot of great products in the marketplace that allow people that flexibility to do just that. And, and in some cases, you could carve them up in separate products. So that way, you know, if you have deductible debt and undeductible debt, you could uh, keep them separate and avoid the co-mingling that CRA wants you to avoid. Yeah. So they work, they work very well and accountants love them because it uh, keeps every, everything in line. For sure. For sure. I, I can definitely imagine. <laughs> it's, it's a lot, a lot cleaner. Transitioning into, so I mean, you're a lending expert, right? Uh, transitioning into credit cards. Um, Give me, give me the short list of things that people need to know about credit cards uh, and education and things like that. Well, as much as I'm in mortgages, I think credit cards are the foundation of people's credit reports, which are uh, one of the pillars of determining your, your, um, your ability to take on larger purchases and debt. And credit cards are, are you know, they're, they're beneficial. They, they have a lot of uh, pros to them. You know, some of these reward programs are unbelievable and they're very enticing to people, but it does come with pitfalls if it's not used properly. And, and these are things we try to, I'm doing it more so now, uh, helping young adults understand that proper management of credit cards is critical uh, because it'll establish very good habits for you and will make sure your, your credit rating is clean and, and is good. And, won't uh, impede you from buying a home or cost you more than it should to buy a home. Um, so making, you know, large, 
payments to your credit card. If you don't have all the money, try to pay it down in one or two months. Don't make minimum payments. It's deadly. Um, you know, I use the example, if you, if you found a great sale on a computer, or let's call it your, your iPhone. You, know, you want to go buy a phone, it's a thousand bucks. These things are that, in that price range. And you put it on your credit card and you make your minimum payment because that's all you can afford. That thousand dollar iPhone is going to cost you 2,380 bucks in interest over the life of it, making minimum payments. So that $1,000 phone is $3,380. And it'll take you over 10 years to pay it off. And if you think of it, you know, your $20 minimum payment, $19.18 is interest and $0.82 is principal reduction. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, insane. So you'll never get rid of it. Yeah. So... You know, I always encourage people, if you're going to buy something and you want to get your points and you want to use your card, make a lump sum payment to your card for the amount that you paid the phone. And that way, when it, when your bill comes in, it's paid off. Like if you have the money, just pay it. You know, a lot yeah. of people, you know, they, 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 they're just lackadaisical, lackadaisical in, in, the, in the fact of not doing what they need to do. And that's where discipline is so important. You know, if you're making a big purchase, think about it for a day. Do you really want to make it? You know, usually they're impulse buys. Right. For sure. For sure. Uh, one more question for you, Vince. What's the one thing that sets uh, people up for being successful with money versus not? Like what's what's that one sort of trait um, that really makes the difference? I, I think you got to have a belief system. Like I, I think you got to have the ability to believe in possibilities. Um, if you have the discipline and patience, I, I, I repeat myself, um, to see it through all, all the goals you have are achievable. And and what I encourage people to do, especially young adults is find a mentor and ask them to be your mentor. Um, I still have one. I I, I look up to him all the time. I speak to him quite a bit. And I I just find that when it, when you're making investments, when you're making decisions, life goals, um, business or whatever, having a mentor to bounce things off of our, our, just so powerful and uh, and valuable that uh, it, it helps you guide your goals and, and what's really important to you. And I really encourage people to think about that. I don't know if it's talked uh, a lot about, but uh, I think mentors are key to helping you set plans and you have something to strive for. And if you, if you see their success and, and, and see it's achievable, I, I think mentors are always good at sharing their success stories and they love talking about you know how they achieved the achievable and um you know i i think that's probably a driver absolutely uh mentors i think uh really can lead the way and and show you what not to do i find that's probably one of the biggest things and and i think when you ask somebody to to be one they're they're overwhelmed at first and then they take a lot of pride in it Right, because I think they're humbled, number one, and it's such a serious request that they take it seriously as well. So, you know, uh, my mentors in Mexico right now, he he wrote he 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 lives in Arizona and Vancouver, and I'm in Toronto, and he's just a phone call away, and I I probably talk to him once a week or communicate with him more than that, and. Um, 
I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's good to have one because, you know, sometimes you have some bad days and you just need somebody to talk to and uh, having a mentor could, uh, could really shed some light on, you know, just getting back on track, just keeping you back on the rails and, and keep you motivated to continue. So I, I think that's uh, something that isn't really discussed a lot, but I think it's quite important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Vince, that's really all I have for you, my friend. Uh, you know, tell, tell the people where they can find you. You got a lot of great stuff out there. Um, give us give us the whole spiel. Yeah, well, they could watch me weekly every Thursday on CP24's Hot Property, where we have a, a program that talks about real estate and the market and, and different um, aspects of, of buying a home. Um, you know, you that's that's been going like I said for 19 years. Um, I'm trying to do a little bit more on Instagram, Twitter, yeah. and TikTok at uh, Monster Vince G. My son has uh, inspired me to uh, take it up a notch and educate and try to post uh, daily tips to help young adults yeah. uh, with their finances. So uh, he's been trying to keep me uh, focused on making sure I, I expand into this this uh, world of social media and pivot from TV to social media. So it's, it's kind of interesting. I'm enjoying it. That's how I met you, yep. which is great. And uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm really enjoying it. it it's a, uh, it's a shifting uh, mindset and, and it's a lot of change, but you know, it's pretty exciting and seeing the power of social media is just uh, unbelievable. It's, it's, it's truly incredible. And I think that's one of the biggest things uh, that I've, found is that um the amount of like-minded people that are out there you can't even fathom it it's 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 insane i mean when i started getting on i mean you know i have i've been on so i mean i'm young right like we all got instagram and all that crap but you know i never really ventured into the different niches and the different communities that exist and um and it's it's really it's really um unfathomable how how uh connected it is one thing one thing he did tell me is that you know uh, millennials want to control how they digest their information. And, you know, some people have different platforms that they go to. Some like it in little 30 second blips. Some people sit down and listen to a podcast or watch a whole video on YouTube and you have to cater to everybody's need. And if you just stick to one lane, it might limit you. Mm. So, uh, anybody who's doing what you're doing and, and doing it on a different channels, I commend you because it's a lot of work. It's a, it's a commitment. And I, I love how you're grinding. I think you're doing a phenomenal job educating people. And I really think you're onto something. You know, I've talked to a number of people in the last week, just uh, younger people. And uh, they've all said, I wish we had more of this. And um you know, I passed on your podcast to a number of people. They loved it. And I think you're going to do phenomenally. I like what you're doing and I hope I can help you out as best I can. And, and, um, you know what, I think it's all good. It's fantastic. Cool. Awesome. I, I really appreciate it. those are very kind words. Thank you so much, Vince, for that. And for coming on the show, I, uh, hope to have you back, uh, very, very soon. Love yeah. to, and, and maybe we'll get my son on and, and see what he could do. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have him on too. We'll, we'll see, we'll, uh, we'll do it up. We'll do something. <laughs> Alrighty. Alrighty, take care. Money, 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 money.
Okay, y'all, that is all I have for you today. Thank you guys so much for listening in. Uh, again, Vince was was great to talk to and uh, somebody who I actually uh, learned from a lot during the call and then after the call and like, you know, we're staying in touch and, you know, I'm, I do want to get in that world uh, of, um, you know, real estate and he definitely has a wealth of experience there. Uh, so it was, it was really great to learn from him. Really quick, guys, again, I encourage you to go check out Wealth Simple Invest and Wealth Simple Trade. Uh, great platforms. So check out the show notes to get started. So that's all I have for you guys today. Uh, thank you guys so, so much again for uh, all the support. You know, I actually saw a lot of the um, uh, the Spotify, you know, chart things and, and people were posting it on their story, all over the story with the music and the podcast and stuff. And I had a number of you guys reach out and, and show me that I was uh, somewhere on that chart for you. And, and you know what? I, I wanted to just thank everybody again. I, I, you know, I say it every episode for a reason. Uh, you guys are the best. And I, I really, really uh, appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for everything you do. This show is literally nothing. This show is literally me talking to myself. Um, <laughs> you make it what it is. So thank you. I really appreciate y'all. I love y'all. But for now, I'm out this mother. Peace.